It's the Generation Zen Podcast, and this is the second and final part of our interview with Tommy Tallarico. In this episode, Tommy's going to go into extensive detail on what it was like to work with Mr. Miyamoto on Metroid Prime. He also talks about why he feeds into the trolls and how he's starting to avoid that, and he wraps up the show by giving positive feedback and advice for everyone looking to start their career goals in life. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is going to be a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And here's the second and final part of our interview with Tommy Tellerico. The one thing that I am curious about, given the, the whole situation going on in the world right now with COVID-19 and stores being closed, how, how has that impacted your uh, marketing strategy of having people try things out in person? Because I know that's probably been something that's been concerning for you. Oh, it's totally screwed us. I'm not going to lie. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's put a big wrench into, you know, like when we were sitting down planning the whole launch of the console and how long it would take and everything i mean we we hit every single milestone uh you know and and even came in early on a lot of stuff i mean remember guys last e3 a year ago we had machines at e3 it was behind closed doors but um you know we had machines and we were we had 22 games up and running last year and so um and I don't know if you ever watch guys like John Riggs, for example, he's a big retro gamer, go on his channel and, and, and watch what he said about playing the machine. And that was a year ago. And he was raving about how fun it was and how incredible it was and, and this and that. And so we've hit every single, and in fact, if you go on our YouTube channel, we have a 2019 YouTube influencer video that we put together, which is the highlights of all the YouTubers last year. And a lot of which played the game, uh, played the system, some have, some haven't. But but go and watch that video and you'll see John Riggs and people like Metal Jesus Rocks and, and uh, Smash JT. These are people who've played the system. And again, that was a year ago and they loved it back then. Imagine how far it's come now. Um, and so, um, so COVID has completely screwed us up. I mean, I'm going to sit here and, 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 and pretend? No. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. So, you know, when you go in to manufacture a, a piece of hardware, you go through a process called tooling, right? So tooling are all of the things that are made, like when you pour the plastic into the molds, when you, like every single element, every, every button every internal workings of the button the disc the every single thing that needs to be created you know it, it does it's not magic out of thin air they're actual tools that are created with steel and you know iron and 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 machinery and and lasers and you know and and you do all these you know laser cut tools and then all of those have to be tested and approved before you go into manufacturing. Well, a typical tooling process, and, and these are all things that can only be done in China, unfortunately, um, at, because they're, they're the only ones who have like the infrastructure to even make this stuff, right? And so you get your tooling over in China. Now, typically it might take a couple of weeks and there's literally like, you know, hundreds of, of tools that have to be made sometimes. 
and you go over there, uh, you get the tooling made, they send them back over here, you start to approve them, like we have a team of people who are, you know, on our staff that, you know, do this, you know, they're geniuses in this and this. So they start going approving each and every single tooling they sign off on, they get tested and this and that. Now, typically tooling, like I said, will take a couple of weeks and then they send it over to us and then maybe a couple of weeks of testing and then we approve it and then you go into manufacturing. Well, because of COVID, of course, we lost two complete months because all the factories were shut down. So forget that. So we were supposed to go into tooling in like late February, early March of this year. Well, everything boom down. Okay. So now we go into tooling about a month ago. Now, typically we would have got everything back within two weeks. Well, I got news for you. Six weeks later, we've only received half the tooling. Oh. So this is the kind of stuff that is completely 100% out of our control. Now, if everything goes perfect from now till August, not a single thing goes wrong, not a single hiccup, I can tell you as I'm sitting here talking to you today, and it's May 8th, for people who are listening to this in the future, it's May 8th, 2020, if everything goes perfect and the United States is not in lockdown mode over the next week or two, if, if like, you know, industry and everything comes back, because again, guys, think about this. Like we got 30 people, engineers, hardware engineers, design engineers, mechanical engineers, firmware engineers, all these people. And we can't even be in the same room together. Exactly. How the hell are we supposed to finish a piece of hardware? You know, you can only do so many Skype meetings. You need to, this is hardware. You need to touch it. You need to feel it. You need to test it out. You need to be in a room with 10 other people, yep. you know, you passing the thing around the table, say, what if we did this? What if we did that? And so if everything goes to this plan and everyone's back to work within the next two weeks, we will hit our 10, 10 mark. If this place and country is still locked down and the China factories are only up to about 60, 70% at this point, if they're not back up to hundred percent over the next month or two, and the U S isn't back working in the next two weeks. Yeah. We're going to miss 10, 10 and there's nothing I can damn do about it. You know, that's an honest answer. Yeah, no. And, and I, we yeah. appreciate that because I don't believe that the Xbox series X and the PS five are going to come out this year. I just, I still, It'll I know they keep saying it, but yeah. I don't know. I just feel like with all these factors, it's really hard for them to do it. I would say that Xbox has a better chance. If I, if I was a betting man, I think Xbox has a better chance of coming out this year, uh -huh. just knowing what I know um, and, and you know about everything, but you're right. You could, you could absolutely be right. There might not be any new consoles in television, PlayStation, or, uh, you know, or Xbox, Microsoft. So that could happen, you know, um, let's hope it doesn't. But, you know, the other thing too, that, that I got to, you know, as, as CEO, something that I, you know, that we always struggle with every day is the challenges with COVID is that all of the prices have gone up for everything because components and memory and all that stuff is scarce. Right. And so, I wanted to have the system come out at 199. That was my, I think that's our magic price point. 
where tens of millions of people are going to buy it. If, if it's at 199 by like the second, third year, we'll start to be selling like millions of units. Okay. Uh, you know, the system's coming out at 249, the base model. There's nothing I can do about it. Now, if this shit's, and, and the idea is, okay, fine. The early adapters are going to come in and save us and, and, you know, and, and they won't mind paying the 249. Um, but by next Christmas, Christmas of 2021, I want to get the thing down to 199. That's, that's my ultimate goal or maybe 209 or whatever, 219, something, right? Per, again, I think our perfect price is 199. That's when it starts flying off the shelves for everyone. Uh, so that's my goal is to get it down to 199, at least by the second year. If not, if not, you know, year one, then year two, because remember video game consoles, when you look at the, so we have time, I'm not worried about it because you look at video game console um, you know, the, the history of a, of a seven year thing, you always, it, it's like a big bell curve where year one, you, 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 maybe you sell a million or two year two, you sell like three or 4 million more, but by year three and four and five, that's the top of the curve. That's when you're selling, you know, millions a month. Right. And so we have a couple of years before we hit our bell curve. And, um, and so, you know, I have a couple of years to get the price back down to 199 and, and we're going to do everything in our power. Now, that being said, let's talk about 249 for a second. Okay. Let's say that the console was 150 bucks. You guys would be like, holy crap. That's, you know, I'm going to buy two. Yeah. Um, at 150 bucks, most systems come with one game and one controller, right? Yep. Not even, and sometimes uh, not even a game. Yeah. Not honestly, even, most of the time, not even a game, not even a game, right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Say it comes with one game, one controller. Now price our machine at one game and one controller. Well, you know, our controllers, look at the technology I was showing you guys, right? A Joy-Con is 79 bucks. Yeah, for one. <laughs> for one, right? Our system comes with, and, and by the way, the Joy-Cons aren't near have the technology that ours have or the expense, right? Oh, Color screen, are you kidding me? Um, and so wireless charging, RFID, force feedback, 64 positional disc, you know, LEDs. You think those are, you know, cheap to get going? I mean, they're, they're definitely relative, not. Definitely not. but yeah. you know, you, you know, if they're so cheap, why wouldn't everybody put lights on their stuff? Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're relatively cheap, but I mean, what I'm saying is to get the power unit, like every one of our controllers has its own memory, has its own chip, has its own storage. Cause that's how you take the games to your, to your friend's house, right? Like you can save the games and, on the controller. Well, and you have to store the graphics that you see on the screen. Right. So all that stuff has memory and all this stuff. So if our machine came out with one controller and one game at 150 bucks, would you think that was the deal of the century? I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. That'd be pretty cool, right? Okay, well, guess what? It is. Meaning, <laughs> meaning one controller, one game, 150 bucks. Let's say I sold the Amico like that. 
and then you want to buy a second controller. Let's say it's 60 bucks because I'm $20 less than Nintendo. Okay, now you're at $210. But wait, I'm throwing in six more games. So, and they're 10 bucks each. Let, let's say they're an average of $8. Okay, fine. Six times eight. There's another 40 bucks. That's $250. <laughs> right. It adds up. Yeah. So it's like, so basically what I'm saying is our system at 249 with two controllers and six, maybe seven games on board. It's the equivalent of a $150 gaming system. It's just, you're getting the second controller and a bunch of our best games, premium games right on the box. So, you know, anyway, so even at 249, it's still a hell of a deal, but you know, anyway, that's true because if it comes with that many, that, that many additional things besides just the console, it's definitely, the price seems pretty reasonable to me. And then again, when I get it down to one ninety nine in a couple of years, poof, then, you know, now it's going to be like amazing. Now, what retail stores are you selling at Tommy? Cause I know you said uh, you're selling at GameStop. I, I saw the announcement this week. Is there any other major retailers you're allowed to talk about? I, I can't name names because we're, we, you know, we have to do s specific press releases with those retailers, but I can tell you this. So let me, let me give you the, the list of retailers for video games in the United States. Sure. Walmart, Costco, Amazon. Those are the number one, two, and three retailers of all America for anything, forget even video games. So uh, Walmart, Costco, uh, Amazon is third. People don't realize that. People think Amazon's first. It's actually, <laughs> actually Walmart's first, and uh, and Costco's second. Amazon's third. I didn't know Costco was second. Crazy, yeah, right? Crazy. Amazon third, and then you got like Target, Best Buy, and then when you talk about video games, then you start to bring in, uh, you know, GameStop and stuff. So I can tell you that. We're in almost every single one of those that I just mentioned. <laughs> that's very reassuring. That, that is you. a solid list. Yeah. And that's in at retail as well, not just online, you know. Where I could go to a store and say, oh, look, the Intelligent Amico and, and try the demo and try it there yep. and, and play it. That's that's yep. cool. I didn't hear this story about it yet because everyone talks about, yeah, Earthworm Jim Force coming exclusively to the Amico, which is awesome. But I want to know what it's like working with the original team after 20 plus years. Yeah, we did Global Gladiators, Cool Spot, Disney's Aladdin, Earthworm Jim 1, Earthworm Jim 2. And those five games, our team only worked on those five games ever. And those five games, every single one of those five games, and I don't know if there's ever been a team in the history of video games that have done this. We worked on five games. Every five games got game of the year award, audio of the year award, and art and animation of the year award. Five games, same team, five years in a row. I mean, talk about batting a thousand. Yeah. And then and then we and then we, you know, didn't do a game after Earthworm Jim 2. And so here we are 25 years later. And that's kind of what cracks me up sometimes when again the haters out there going, oh, uh, you know, like. And, and it's like, well, wait a second. Do you think that that team that batted a thousand who could be quite considered 
in the top video game teams ever of all time in that it would, they would be in that conversation, right? For that era, for that era of gaming in the early nineties. Um, and of course there's other great teams out there as well, but I'm saying that would be in the top five, maybe five, top five or top 10 video game teams of all time uh, in that era. Do you think that we all of a sudden got dumb 25 years later and don't know how to make a game? We batted a thousand. Of course, we're going to make a great Earthworm Jim game. <laughs> so, uh, but, but the great thing was, is that when we all got back together, we hadn't seen each other even in 25 years. Now, a lot of us see each other, you know, like, like for example, David Perry, who is the lead programmer and the president of Shiny, he's been my best friend for 30 years. I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at my wedding. He lives down the street from me. Like we talk weekly for 30 years, right? And we see each other all the time. Okay. Um, Mike Dietz, who is the art director and animation director of all those games. Well, he's the art director of Intellivision. So he's, he's worked at Intellivision for, you know, and again, this is the level of quality of people we have at Intellivision. Um, and so all of us like had seen each other, me and Doug, Doug Tenapel, I'd see him at Comic-Con or whatever, but we the whole team hadn't been in a room together in 25 years. And so I rented a huge mansion <laughs> in a canyon in, in Laguna Beach. Whoa. And we spent three days together. It was, it was disgusting how much money was spent on it, <laughs> but I didn't care. I, and it was my personal money. It wasn't in television's money. I said, screw this, I'm doing this. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and we had the greatest time and, and, and the first night when the day, everybody, like some people flew in and, you know, whatever, because a lot of folks are, I was, I'd say half the team is up in, uh, half the team. No, it's one, well, let me see one, two, three people are in San Francisco area. Six people are in Orange County, California, where I am. That's where the original team was. And, and half of them work at Intellivision. And, and the other half is at Blizzard. Uh, and, and then one person, Doug Tenapel, uh, lived in Memphis, Tennessee, I think. Okay. I think he's in Tennessee now. So anyway, everyone flew in. And the first night, the first day and night was just like talking about the, like we didn't even talk about Earthworm Jim. I mean, like not the new game. All we did was just get reacquainted and and just talk about old times. It was just like it was it was like we never left. It was it was literally like the day twenty five years ago that we didn't see each other, and then we just came back in the office the next the following. Oh, week. that's so cool! And you know, Ed, everyone had had kids, and everyone had you know, and that's what we were really talking about. You know, not everyone because I haven't, but but you know, but I got married. Like everybody had gotten married, and a lot of people, like their kids, were like your age now, and and you know, catching up on all these kind of life things and and everything, and um, it was just so amazing. But it it was like we never left, and we were all just super good friends, and and we were making each other laugh, and and that was really. The secret, if people want to know the secret of Earthworm Jim and all those games we worked on, the secret was we never had a game design document, which is completely unheard of. And you say, well, how the hell is that possible? Well, the main objective for Earthworm Jim wasn't to create a side-scrolling platform game. 
it was the jokes. We started with the joke and we were trying to make each other laugh. And then once we had all these ideas on how to, what we thought was funny, then we started to build the game around that. So for example, we'd all be in a, in a, in a room together and we'd, and somebody, I forget who, but came up with the idea, say, holy shit, wouldn't it be funny if like Jim launched like a chicken at the beginning of the level of the very first thing you did. And like, you would see this chicken kind of fly through the air and, and, and oh my God, the, oh, wait, wait a second. What if it was a cow? Cause that would be even more funny. Like, you know, cause cows are more funny than chickens. Oh my God, that would be hilarious. And then I would chime in. I go, oh my God, what if like when you launched them, it would go like, <laughs> like this really funny cow yeah. sound. And then every time you saw them in the background, flying in the background, you would just hear this distant, you know? And then somebody else would say, oh, oh, wait, hold on. What if the cow, like at the very end of the game, when you finally save the princess, the cow like would finally land and crush and kill the princess after all that time. Like, and we're laughing and we're like, oh my God, this. And so we're writing down all these jokes, pages and pages and pages of jokes. And then we'd say, okay, now let's build the game around these jokes. <laughs> so what's it going to be like? What's it, what's, how is it? Okay. Let's have a refrigerator. Okay. Maybe we're in a junk. Why would there be a refrigerator? I don't know. Maybe we're in a junkyard. Okay. Let's design a junkyard. You know? And so, and so the game evolved around the jokes. Now there were so many jokes and things that we were remembering that we could never do in the first couple games. Like, like, I don't know if you guys ever played the game, but. Oh yeah. I've played. Yeah. Both of them. I have. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you, do you remember the underwater level, which was a big pain in the ass? <laughs> yeah, that, it sure was. Kind of float that globe without it cracking. I mean, that was a pain in the ass, right? But at the end of that level, I think it was the end of that level. I just, rem I remember the meeting and the meeting was, we're like, you know what, like, because all the games have the boss monsters, you know, as they call them, the bosses at the end of the levels. And we're like, oh my God, wouldn't it be hilarious if the boss was just like a little goldfish in a fishbowl and it just sat there on a, on a podium. And now everybody's going to wait and go, oh my gosh, this thing's going to turn into a big fish monster. It's going to like shoot lasers out of its eyes. Like what the hell is going to happen? And let's just keep the fish on a bowl, on a podium, and just let it sit there and, and let the player try to figure out what to do. And, and then eventually, and you just stood there as a player, you're like, what the hell's going on? And then you finally, you would go over to it. And when you went over to the podium, Jim would just knock the fishbowl over. <laughs> yep. And the bowl would crash on the ground and the, and the goldfish would like flip up, flip back and forth. And that was it. It was over. That's how you defeated the Wasn't boss. Wasn't there a Taco Bell toy based off that boss? It was uh, uh, McDonald's, Happy Meals. Wait, hold on. Wait, I'm, now I'm doubting myself. Maybe it was Taco Bell. Hold on. Let me, I'm going to Google this really quick. I remember this toy, yeah. It was with Taco Bell. Earthworm Jim, Taco Bell. You're right. You're right. I remember those toys because my brother grew up in the 90s, and he had Earthworm Jim Taco Bell toys. Holy crap. You're right. So, cause, and uh, you know, the reason I thought it was, uh, w I thought it was McDonald's was because we did, we did global gladiators and that was a McDonald's game, but we were negotiating with M McDonald's for earthworm Jim, but you're right. But Taco Bell ended up winning out that deal. That's funny. 
so yeah, so that's the joke comes first. And that was always our secret. And that's why the game's so funny. So when we got back together by day two, all we did for like two days straight, 48 hours was, was just laugh and write jokes together. And I have them all on a, I have them on like four sh sheets of paper. I'm looking at the paper right now, actually. And, and that's how we're going to design the game is, you know, around jokes. So yeah, sometimes it's going to be 2d side scrolling and sometimes it's going to be other hilarious stuff, but you have to remember back in the day, we could only write jokes for the Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo. So Sega Genesis had only three buttons and a D-pad. Now, imagine the jokes we can do with a speaker and a microphone on every controller. Imagine the jokes we could do with force feedback, with everybody, who, every different player in co-op has a screen and has information. And how, you know, so again, imagine the jokes we're doing and we are doing so many funny things. Oh my God. It's so hilarious. So, so people who are worried about, and, and it's funny because, you know, again, some of the haters out there will like, yeah, screw that. I'm never going to buy an Amico for earthworm jam. I'm just going to wait till it comes out on steam or the switch. Yeah. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time, bitches. The game that we're making, we are making around the Amico controller. Part of the reason why it's took it, taken 25 years for the team to get back together to do another Earthworm Jim game is because there wasn't a console that existed that, that was right for all the kind of jokes and fun and interaction that we wanted to do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Tommy. When is it? When are you guys planning to uh, try to launch it? Obviously, you know, COVID's delaying, delaying everything. Are you still yeah, aiming yeah. for a late like, 2021 release date? That's it, exactly. Christmas 2021 is when we hope to have Earthworm Jim finished. But I can tell you, I'll tell you right now, that if the game isn't A+, and it's like a B by November, then I'm going to hold it. I don't care. I'll hold I love that mentality. Yeah, I respect that a lot. Yeah. I don't care. Well, I, I when think I, it all goes back to the same like notion that you guys are all focused on quality. You're not going to release a rush product just to release it at like a holiday due date, you know? Exactly. We don't we don't need to, you know. It it our again, value and trust. If we can deliver value and trust to all of our customers and consumers, then the money will follow. You know what I mean? Like, like the success will follow. But my main goal isn't to make money. My main goal is to create value and trust with our customers. What a great message to have. And by making sure you have a quality product and having all these extremely experienced people on your team, it's like building a lot of legitimacy and trust with, I mean, personally, that's how I feel. But yeah. I'm sure that's the same thing for a lot of your supporters. Totally. And and again, you get, yeah, and, and people... People do get like emotional about it. Like on our, you know, the people who love it, you know, you know, are, you know, and again, they've, you know, a lot of people haven't played it yet, but they love the whole idea and concept behind it, you know, and that's, that's something that that's special that, you know, and they're hoping like crazy that, that I'm able to deliver on all the stuff that, uh, you know, that we're hoping to deliver on. <laughs> so, <laughs> You mentioned that you worked under Miyamoto himself. Me and Jeremy are huge Nintendo fans, and Miyamoto to us is 
you know, made some of our favorite games ever from the Wind Waker to the other Zelda games like Twilight Princess and, of course, Metroid Prime. Can you go what it was like to work with such a legend like him and how it influenced the Amigo yeah. and, and your current game design now? Totally. I mean, you know, he's he's influenced, uh, you know, certain things, uh, certain ways that we look at things, especially in regards to quality, like the stuff I was just mentioning about how we're not putting out a game until it's ready. Let me give you a, a Miyamoto story that will, I think, really explain why Miyamoto is Miyamoto and why he is the best of the best and no one comes close. When I was working on Metroid Prime, and again, it, 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 it's, it's funny because it's kind of like the Earthworm Jim story I just told about doing the joke first, but it's a different way to do it. So when I was working on Metroid, now, usually, audio design, especially, you know, sound design, sound effects, are usually considered post-production. Like, so, for example, when I was working with Cliffy B on the Unreal Tournament, an Unreal franchise, he would come to me and he would say, hey, Tommy, here's a chain gun. Okay? And I would see the chain gun. Wow, that's a cool gun. Or the, yeah, and then I would create a sound for it. That's typically how sound design goes. Miyamoto comes to me and he says, look, he goes, um, and we'd been wanting to work together. We've known each other for 30 years and we've always, we always talked about working together and he always, you know, loved my work and he wanted to hopefully someday work with me. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like you want to work with me? What the hell? Um, and so we finally got that chance. And and I remember, actually, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at a party. We were at a Nintendo party at E3 in Los Angeles. And it was in some big-ass mansion. I forget where it was. But Nintendo was throwing this party. And um, Miyamoto was there. And he comes up to me. And he goes, Tommy, come, you know, come here. And, he's, and he and brings me into a corner. And he was with another guy named Jeff Spandenberg. And Jeff Spandenberg was the owner and CEO of Retro Studios in Texas. And I'd, I'd, and I'd known Jeff for many years. And so the three of us, so we're talking in the corner. He goes, he goes, Tommy, you know, we've always talked about working together. I said, yes. And uh, he says, well, um, we're going to be working with Jeff and Jeff knows you and, and loves you and loves your work. And, and so we thought this would be the perfect project for you and us to all work together. I said, this is great. He goes, but you can't tell anyone what it is. I said, oh, no worries. He's like, we're bringing Metroid back. I'm like, Whoa! you know, so, um, so that was pretty epic. So anyway, but, but moving on, I just want to sh tell you, share with you how I, how I found out. Um, but while we're working together, Miyamoto says to me, he says, look, most of the time you get something from an artist and then you create. He goes, Tommy, this is what I want you to do. Forget drawings, forget animations, forget all that shit. He didn't say shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get the idea, yeah. Miyamoto didn't say shit. Um, but he said, uh, he says, I want you to create a sound for guns, like for, for weapons. And, I, and, and I, I'm not going to give you any direction. I just want you to create, like, use your imagination create so sounds 
of stuff that you just think sounds amazing. I want you to use your imagination. And without any barriers, without any art, without anything, you know, you know, like that, that is a sound that I can't, I'm like, wow, this is a really cool sound that we came up with. He then took all those sounds that came from the imagination in my head and he gave the sounds to his artist and said, listen to this sound. Now create the gun around this sound. So it was the reverse <laughs> process that yeah, everything's so cool. used to. That's so cool. Yeah. So when you when you think of Metroid and that gun, I forget what the gun's called, but where it where it goes when it fires, it like uh, warbles, like warps the buh, 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 yeah, buh, yeah. warps the screen. Yeah. That how so they created that because they heard the sound and they're like, oh, it's kind of sounds like it's warping the warping the screen, you know. Um, so it, again, that's the genius of Miyamoto. But 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 and and Walt Disney also one of my heroes. Uh, Walt Disney, P.T. Barnum, Harry Houdini. These are like some of my greatest heroes. And they were all like the creative always started in the mind and and with imagination, right? And that's that's something that I think a lot of young game designers kind of just forget about. They're like, okay, let's do a side-scrolling 2D beat em up. Go. You know, instead of like imagining, use your imagination first and then design around your dream, you know, not the other way around. Yeah, I think that's one of the most beautiful ways you can do it. That's that's awesome. And that and that what I was taught, you know, by Miyamoto, that kind of uh you know, way of looking at games and things. And again, and being a part of the earthworm gym team and, you know, and, and seeing the way we did things where, you know, don't sit down and write a game design document. What are, what, what, how can we think outside the box? I've instilled that on every single Intellivision Amico game. So you're going to see that in everything we do. And that's pretty cool. And, and and that's the thing too, like about our trailer, because people will look at like our trailer. And again, some people love it. And the hardcore elites will be like, oh my God, they look like total mobile games. You suck and blah, blah, blah. It's like, but how can you tell what we're doing from a gameplay standpoint? First of all, what's the, what's the most important thing in a game? It's fun. Are you having fun or not? It's not what the graphics look like, right? Um, but But not only that, but, how do you, how can I tell people how you're controlling a game by just showing a screenshot or a, a, a five second video clip? You can't, right? So that's why I started doing those videos on our YouTube channel, like the Sideswipers one. Have you guys checked that one out yet? I always forget what the, um, what the name of the game was. So it's, it's the one where the cars are crashing into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the whole design thing there was, was my whole point when, when kind of, you know, helping to create and design that game, my point was, look, when you crash into a car, normally in any game, now you sit out and wait for everybody else to finish. I never want that. I never want that person waiting and sitting around and sitting out. And that's when the fun begins. What if once you get out, 
now you can set traps and fuck with all the people who are <laughs> who are, who are still playing the game, right? And 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 if you set a trap and somebody gets caught in the trap, that you get a point even though you're out. And so, how do you communicate that in a five second screenshot? Like like when people had like broke down our our um, our trailer and like you know did like you know opinions on each of the games that we showed in our trailer that that game was always like yeah it's some racing game i don't know it's eh, not really not really excited about it and then when i came out and showed the people how you played it and what it was like and and watched people laughing and cheering and like then they're like oh my god like i totally want i cannot wait to play this game right and so so that's one thing that people don't understand is that, you know, these kind of unfinished, unpolished trailers that we're just showing gameplay footage of and people are like crapping all over it. Like, Oh my God, it sucks so bad. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what the game's like to even play it. So how can you even make a decision until you see how the game is played? Because the most important thing in games is the fun factor is the playability. Sometimes the simplicity of it all gameplay, exactly. the gameplay. Hello. You know, so anyway, you've, I feel like people are getting like way too focused on nitty gritty things. And they're oh. not looking at, you know, oh, well, maybe this game's actually fun if you give it a chance, you know. And, and, um, and, here's the thing, and let me just kind of wrap that up by saying, look, all those kind of hardcore elite gamers, they're really not our target audience. Do I think they will buy one and play one eventually? Yes, I actually do, because there is a lot of stuff on them for that on there for them too. They just don't realize it yet. And until they play it, they're not going to believe it. So I'm not even going to try. Right. But our, our, our target audience doesn't even know we exist yet. Right. So, so when we start to come out to the families and, and, you know, and, and in stores and, and all the biggest retailers and celebrity endorsements and, and mom influencers and little kid influencers, like that's how we're going to get our message out. You know, I'm not going to hire PewDiePie or, or, you know, Joe blow hardcore gamer with a million subscribers or whatever to promote the product. That's not, that's not our target audience. Our audience is, is moms who don't play video games. You know where we're going to advertise a lot in mobile games. <laughs> there you go. Hey, if you like, and that's how you get to them. Yeah. If you like playing casual mobile games but you're playing by yourself wouldn't you like to play with your family well in television amicos for you you know so um but that's the thing are the people who are going to buy our machine don't even know we exist yet and i'm sure they will yeah. <laughs> once you're able to get the message out there um one thing we were interested about for sure is i know that um you're bringing up like these elitists who are being throwing some negativity towards the console and i we've noticed that a lot of times you might, we feel that you might feed too much into the negativity and trolls who are like going against your console. How do you feel? Do you feel that you might, you might do that too much or oh, is that? completely. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate how honest that answer is. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know what? You can say whatever you want about me, but I'm always going to shoot straight. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing is, is that like, I use that stupidity of those people to actually fuel me sometimes. Right. So, and cause everybody's built differently, right? Some people don't want to 
hear the negativity. Some, and I totally get that. I, I, by the way, I wish I was more like that, right? Um, so it doesn't bother me. I mean, I because I because I don't respect those people, you know. Like, like it doesn't like it's it's like um, it's like if there's a really evil person, like you, you you don't care. So so for those kind of like you know elitist egotistical bullies, I don't give a shit if they like me or the system or not. I don't care. But listening to their stupidity and their biasness kind of fuels me a little bit. Yeah, and that's understandable. <laughs> right? You want to like prove them wrong and show that the console is going yeah, to be a success. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, and it's like and again, I don't thrive on it. I don't, you know, um, you know, do I mix it up a little too much with those type of people? Absolutely. And 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 but you'll start to see actually, because one of the things that I tried to do early on is I I said, you know what? Anyone who's like a doubter, which I understand, anyone who has concerns and criticisms, I totally get it. I'm not against criticism. Like people always say, oh, you can't take criticism. No, that's not true because we were bringing up concerns we had earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. But you guys are wrong. I'm not like no, that. No, not at all. I'm like, hey, hey, let me, let's talk about your concerns. I want to learn about them. I want to understand them. And more times than not, I bet I have a pretty good answer for the concerns, right? And so I'm confident. And I'm willing to talk to anyone about it because I have that level of confidence in, in that, I, you know, that I feel I have a good answer for any criticism. And so, so I can take criticism. I, I, I don't care. And so, you know, I kind of like went on this mission to say, let me try to, I want, I want to reach out to anyone who may have criticism or, you know, let me, you know, let me try to give more information to folks who have made a decision on our console based on wrong information. Right. And unfortunately <laughs> though, there are going to be just straight up trolls who just, no matter how right you are, no, how much, how much information is correct. They're just going to continue negativity online. And, and you know, what's ironic that a lot of the, I bet you a lot of those people who are being negative right now are, are going to end up either buying the console or trying it in the store and enjoying it when they oh, get I a know chance. they are because they're obsessed. They're obsessed with us. They think about us every day. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy <laughs> how, how, how trolls act like that, you know? Well, and, and that's, that's the thing, my friend, that that's the thing that, you know, like when you, you, you'll start to, you're, you're starting to see me like dial all that stuff back. Like, like, um, giving those people any kind of oxygen or attention, because what I've learned is over the last, especially over the last month is that I can talk about all this stuff till I'm blue in the face. I can answer every single one of their hateful stuff and have a good answer for it at the end of the day it doesn't matter because then at, because i've answered every single hard question every single one i have answered and 
I think I have a pretty damn good answer for every single question out there. Right. So, but, but so once they ran out of the hard questions, what I found out is then they just start lying about it. They care nothing about facts, nothing. So all of the things that they thought they could get me on, I answer. And, and again, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Once they get all the information, they'll probably start to like the machine. No, there's such bullies and there's such elitist and there's such egomaniacs and narcissists that they just start lying then because they don't want to be seen as being proven wrong or, or, you know, that, that something they thought about the machine. Oh, actually that wasn't the case. Well, then they'll just move on to the next thing. And then they move on to the next thing. And then when they run out of stuff, what I found out is then they just start lying and they know they're lying and they, but it doesn't matter. And that's when it struck me to say, my God, why am I, now it's a waste of my time. Now there is zero, zero reason for me to try to convince somebody like that because all they do is lie and bully and, and negative and tear stuff down. They want something that they've never played. They want it to fail and tear it down. And when you start to think to yourself about what kind of person is that, why do I even, why even make contact with that, that kind of, you know, piece of shit? You know what I mean? So I've kind of stopped doing that over the last couple of weeks. And I, I, and, and I'll continue to find, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to, to get out there, you know, to, to, to stop doing that. Because when uh -huh. you were at G4, which is an excellent show, by the way, I loved watching you on G4 when I was a kid, <laughs> as a side note. There is a difference between when you're on G4 talking uh, as a as a television host versus being a internet, now I guess quote-unquote celebrity or, or appearing on live streams and stuff is because there's so much interactivity now because you're seeing direct communication with the fans or with the, even the haters now where you didn't get that when you're on television. And you know the other thing too? And you know, to add, to add to that as well, is that what cowards these people are, because I put myself out there, people know who I am. My name's Tommy Tellerico. I've been in the industry 30 years. I'm the president of Intellivision. Here's my Facebook page. Here's my Twitter page. This is who I am. This is my, you know, you look me up on Wikipedia, go to my website. This is who I am. Yet all of these coward bullies they all hide behind the screens they all hide behind the names they don't tell me who they really are so what they are is cowards that's what they really are they're bullies but but they don't want you to know who they are they're the worst kind of bully low lifes and you don't need those people, Tommy, because <laughs> you're, no, you're way more successful than all of them, too. You've been doing this for so long. You've worked with so many legends. You are a gaming legend yourself. Like, let's, let's be real here. I mean, you know, we were talking about <laughs> the other legends, but I, I firmly believe you're a pioneer for video game music 
being so iconic and the fact that people just pull up on Spotify, you can pull up the Halo soundtrack, for example. I firmly believe that you are one of the people that made that happen, just being honest. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And and yeah, I mean, I've I, my, spent my entire career, um, you know, fighting for the video game industry uh, on many different levels from an art perspective, you know, I, you know, people calling it, you know, is it art? Is our video games art or not? I mean, I did a whole Ted talk on it. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen my Ted talk. Yeah, I have seen it. I need to and check so, that out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, it really like goes like, it's a, it's a big aha moment for a lot of people when they watch that and go, wow, I never, I never thought of the video game industry like that, you know? And so I've been fighting for it my entire life, whether it's through music or television shows uh, you know, live symphony shows around the world. And now I'm like, you know, what, what's, what's the last thing that, what's the biggest thing I can ever think of to do in the video game industry? <laughs> hey, let's make a console yeah. and compete with Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of your last, you know, your, once that's you do it. that, you're, you made boys, it in the game industry. Boys, I'm done after this. There's nowhere, there's nowhere else to go. I'm officially going to say right now I'm retiring after <laughs> I say that now it'll never happen, but there'll always yeah, be something. There's too much passion there. I don't know. I don't know about yeah, retirement. I love it too much. Exactly. It's not a job to and me. And that's it's, what it's, we appreciate uh, is because you, you are so passionate about this and you want this to succeed and you, you care about having fun, having fun games because not everyone does. So let me ask you, why do you think these bully cowardly losers why do you think they follow us around make stupid video i'm curious to know what what you guys think like what what goes on in their heads what what do you think it is my opinion i think it's they they care more about you know the idea of hating on the console and the idea of like them building up themselves by being like a negative opinion towards something new and I think what they want is they care less about the gaming and potentially fun experiences that could be have with the console and they care more about tearing it down for you know to build up their own egos. So so you think it's like a street cred thing like hey aren't I cool cuz I I mean I don't know if you look at the YouTuber, you know, internet celebrity I quote unquote perspective, they want to have they want to be the the next guy to talk about the next failure in the game industry. Like, oh, I predicted that Uyo was going to fail, and they get tons of clicks. That's what they're hoping for, unfortunately. Right, right. So, so, so to make money. To make money in a lot of ways, yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, they want to be the next hot take, you know, the next. Right. Yeah. They're, they're so insecure in their regular lives that they feel like they can gain a personal ego by tearing you guys down and, and literally be – an internet bully. You know, you know the interesting thing about the the ones that are known, uh, you know, who have a following, and you know who I'm talking yep. about. Let's we, let's we know not, who we're talking about, even, Jeremy. <laughs> let's yes. not even say their names. You know, the funny thing about them is that they're going, they're doubling and down and tripling down on every single thing. You know, what's going to going to kind of be funny is that when we come out when we're successful because like all of the things that they've predicted we've already smashed through so so they said we would never sell more than 5000 units uh you know we we smashed that just in our pre-sales uh <laughs> um 
they they said no one would ever uh no retailer would ever carry this well that was a lie we proved that is a lie um they said that no developer would ever want to develop for this thing because the games are 999 or less uh we have 100 developers um they said we couldn't get any uh big licenses and wait till you see all the mic drop moments we have over the next <laughs> you know uh, and, and it's funny because there's such Nintendo fanboys, yet the former president of Nintendo is working with us. <laughs> so right. it's like, you know, it's like, like, you know, but, but, but the interesting thing about that, that, that kind of, I laugh about, you know, they, they're going to keep moving the goalposts, you know, as, as they get proved wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. But the great thing is, is that they're double and triple down on all this stuff. When we're a big success, the thing that they're trying to do to lift themselves up is actually going to destroy, is going to drag them down because they're going to be known as the guys, as the ding-dongs who were so wrong. <laughs> you know what they're going to be? They're going to be considered the Coleco Chameleon of YouTubers. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's like, Tommy, it's no, like it's the same like, people who predicted that the Nintendo Switch would be a colossal failure. And it sold over 55 million units. It's the same kind of people who are hoping to see a failed the Nintendo product. Wii was going to be a failure. Right, right. And, you know. Just keep moving the goalposts. Like, oh, well, this well, let's, this is going to be bad. Or, uh, no, uh, this is going to be bad. It's like they're just doubling down because they don't. The last man, they, they they got, is wrong. I tell yeah. you what, they got themselves in a hell of a hole right now. Yeah. Because it, it better fail or else they're going to look really stupid at this point. <laughs> and, and I got news for you. I'm going to love making them look really stupid. Not because I want, want that, but because, look, the console is going to be, you know, a, a success whether they like it or not. So, oh, well. We did want to ask one last question, Tommy. And we, sure. think this is, we think this is funny and we hope you get a good laugh out of this. Do you think that me and Jeremy right now are being shills when we are giving an unbiased take at your console. Do I think you're shills? Yes. No. <laughs> will will the haters think you're shills? Absolutely. <laughs> right. So welcome to the club, my friends. <laughs> well, we're excited welcome to be part to be of that club. Welcome to the Nico Shill Club. Are you still running that promo code, I'm a shill, because I missed out on the t-shirt? We actually are. If you go to our website, and you go to our shop, all of our merchandise, we have a, we have a special code for the haters. Uh, and it's, I'm a shill, I M A S H I L L. And we extended it. Uh, we were going to end it at may, but we were like, you know what? We're, we want to, we want to donate the money to a, a, to a good cause. We, we, and so, so not only are people going to get, you know, money off the, the, uh, they're going to get a 20% discount on everything. And it's all super high quality stuff. Like it's no like cheap shirts, right? Like everything's top yeah, of the line. Yeah, that sweatshirt that Rich has is awesome. Oh, well, and, and again, for me, it's it's like, again, we want to build trust and value, right? So, so you know, people get this sweatshirt and go, oh my gosh, this is such quality and it's so soft and it's just not. So, so not only is, uh, do you get the 20% off, but any profit that we make we're donating to charity, and I personally am doubling whatever 
we make off that. And, and so, um, and so we haven't picked a charity yet though. Rich has to do that. Uh, I think he was going to do like a, um, a, uh, like a poll or something on his Twitter, but I said, you know what, hold off. Let's, let's build it up even more, you know? So hopefully, uh, you know, get, get some, uh, get even more money out there. I think, I think there's like, I don't know. I, I, gosh, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think the, I think there was like $300 cause we don't make much profit off of the thing. And so it's like, I could have gave the, the thing and not given any percentage off and made more money to donate to charity. But that's why I ended up doubling it. I'm like, you know what, let me just put my own money in there. Cause I want people to get, you know, people to get the, and discount. it's such a funny promo uh, code too. I love it. <laughs> isn't that funny? I'm a shill. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> I'm a shill. One thing that I actually real quick, I, I want to ask this cause I've been thinking about it the whole time, how you said when you were younger and you played the Intellivision, you think back to it at, with such fond memories did you ever like in your wildest dreams as a kid imagine that you'd become the president of the company uh, yes while you... <laughs> 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 again i'm not i could sit here and lie to you and go oh well you know i uh, but, uh, but no fuck that when i was 12 years old i used to i can show you pictures i i i would like draw the intellivision logo i would like oh yeah me and my brother used to, i mean i used to daydream about it you know you always knew that you were going to be the president of Intellivision. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I didn't know when, but it was just like, yeah, I'm going to, someday I'm going to be the president. You know, it's funny. That's actually really amazing. It, well, it's you know, but I that's it. the thing. And I, and I tell this to people like, you know, cause I do a lot of like success coaching, life coaching and success seminars and all this stuff. And I always, and I always tell people, I said, look, and this is something that my grandfather and, and grandparents and, and parents taught me, which is, again, you know, if you can dream it, you can live it, you know, like, and, and, you know, o always believe in yourself. That that's the thing. And, and, and never, and that's, again, that's the big difference between guys like me and, and guys who complain about guys like me, uh, <laughs> you know, like, is that, you know, like when you have negative thoughts and that's what you, you're negative and you put that out into the universe or to whatever, uh, you know, that's what's going to come back to you in your life, right? Whereas if you think you can do something and you know you can do something and you're not going to let anything get in your way, like David Perry always says, say, look, I've been best friends with Tommy Tellerico for 30 years. Anyone who doubts him, like that, that this isn't going to be coming out and they're going to be a success. I known him 30 years. I wouldn't bet against him, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and, and, and when, so when you think of that mentality and again, it's not like an arrogance thing, it's a confidence thing, right? It's not an ego thing. It's a confidence thing. I am confident that everything I do is going to be great because I believe it. And I have the team around me to do it. I can't do it by myself. Hell no. You know, but I'm going to pick the right people. And I believe that I can do that because I have confidence in knowing that I can surround myself with the right people that can, you know, they can help bring, bring us all to the top of the mountain. And so when I was a kid, I used to put on video game concerts for my friends. I would stand up in front of my TV with my favorite video games. I'd record all my favorite video game soundtracks at the time, which were like, beep, boop, boop, beep, 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 you know, and I'd play the tape back. I'd grab my guitar. I'd invite all my friends over and I played guitar to the video game tracks. 
in front of a TV. Like this, everything that I've done in my career, I've manifested it. It comes from an eight-year-old kid's mind, always just being, knowing that you can believe in yourself. So whatever your guy's dreams are, never give up and never think that you can't do it. Think about it every day. You know, a lot of successful people, they talk about having a vision board, right? And a vision board, and I have one, I'm looking at mine right now. And every single, and I do mine on January 1st. I, every, a lot of people say, oh, I, I want to make amends, like, and I want to I do my resolutions, something that I do bad, I want to stop doing that, right? And that's cool, but I'd go the opposite way. Every January 1st, I'm like, okay, what things do I want? What goals and dreams and visions do I want to accomplish this year? And you put it on a board and you look at it every single day. You know, before I owned my first Ferrari, I'm a big Ferrari guy. I love Ferrari. I know, I've I seen love the pictures. <laughs> They're amazing of your cars. And so when I got, before I had my first Ferrari, I bought, and Ferrari keychains are not cheap, the, the real ones. I bought a $75 Ferrari carbon fiber, beautiful keychain with the prancing horse in there. The Cavallino, they call it. And I, and I bought the keychain and I kept it in my pocket every single day for like five years until, and then one day, and I, and I, I just kept it in. And I knew, and, and by the way, when I, when I, and I'll, I'll show you, let me, I'm going to open my, uh, let me open. Oh, cool. You're show you know, us. Yeah. Show you my camera again. And I want you to, this is my background for my phone. Cause, cause a phone is a great place to put a vision board or your goal or your dream, because every day you look on it and every day you, you're subconsciously looking at that. Right. So I made my, uh, you know, the next Ferrari that I own, I put it on there or the next goal that I have, or, you know, and on my vision board, there's a big in television, there's a big Amico, there's, you know, a lot of the stuff is focused around Amico. Um, but anyway, so, so that's, you know, I, I think that's like a really, really important life lesson. And, and let me, let me give you guys one last nugget here. You guys sound like super cool intelligent kids oh, thanks. and I want to give you something thanks, right thanks. now. I got you, dude, you, you got me fooled. No, um, <laughs> I, I want to give you guys something right now that, that could change the rest of your life. I want you, and, and it's for free, uh, that uh, I don't even think you, you have to pay for it, but it, it's a movie called, it's a documentary and it's called The Secret. It's a, it's a huge book. It's a huge best-selling book, but they made a documentary out of it probably about 15 years ago it came out. Get it on Netflix. And if it's not on Netflix, they probably even have it on YouTube. I don't know if it's for free on YouTube. Uh, whatever it is, I don't, I, I don't care how you, how you find it. Uh, the Secret Movie. Uh, is it on? Yes, you can watch the whole thing for free on YouTube. I'm seeing it right here. Law of Attraction, full movie, hour and 28 minutes, best-selling 2006 self-help book by Rhonda Bryan. Boom, boom, boom. You can watch it for free right there. Hello. Yep, it's the whole thing. It's kind of shitty. Uh, uh, it's kind of shitty quality. So if you can get it on, uh, if you can get it on Netflix, watch it on Netflix. An hour and a half of your life 
will change the rest of your life. And everything in there is 100% accurate. Really? What's the film? So there, what's it about? It's about having a positive mental attitude and believing in yourself and basically using the world as your like catalog, like, you know, and, and creating a vision board. And, you know, if you want something bad enough and it could be a physical thing, it could be a money thing. It could be a career thing. It could be a love thing. It could be a physical thing. Like, uh, you know, you want to get better uh, or you want to stop eating or you want to stop smoking. It could be whatever, whatever you want in the world. It'll teach you how to achieve that because by, by thinking about it, by, by believing that you already have it and that uh, dreaming and imagining what that feeling would be like if you already had that goal. And once you get into that mindset and you stay in that mindset every single day, it will come to you. And it's not some like weird hocus pocus, new age magic bullshit. I'm talking about when you believe you can do something, you will achieve it. And, and you have to do it every day though. Don't just watch the, the movie and then, and then go, oh wow, that was really interesting, cool. And then don't do it. Make notes while you're watching the movie. And, and by the way, I, wa I rewatch the movie maybe every six months. Yeah, just because you, you do kind of forget sometimes. Now I got an app as well. There's a secret app um, and, and it'll send me, it literally sends me, um, it sends me, um, what do you call it? Uh, notifications every single day, Ooh. every day. And so, and so I never forget, right? And so, yeah, so that, that's, that's my, my, hopefully my, my gift to you is, is, is letting you know about that and watch it and it'll, it'll change your lives. I appreciate that Tom, because things obviously in the world are really difficult right now for everybody and, and yeah. having any kind of like, I'm trying to, for me personally, like I'm trying to look positive. at everything as positive as possible. That's just how I always have been. Jeremy can vouch for me on that. It's true. You got to. So it's the right way to do it, my friend. It's the right way to do it. Even with this situation now, I have to look at there are some things that are going to be good that come out of this. Like, you know, I am definitely appreciate my friends more than ever. I'm, I've been talking to people I haven't talked to in years because of this. I love that about you. And um, there's so much negativity in the world, and it really eats at you. And seeing the news all day and being depressed, it's not – healthy and i try to avoid that now it's not healthy yeah and and the movie goes into all of that okay cool the movie goes into all of that yep. cool i'm definitely gonna check yeah. that out and from my perspective too one thing i've been trying to do for the past couple of years is like always try and come up with one thing a day at least that's like something I appreciate or like some sort of positive message I could think about that day. And I've actually, one thing I've been doing is I've been sending like some positive messages on my social media pages every day that I think of. Yeah. So the whole, and it's, it's just like projecting some sort of positivity outwards has made me more like inwardly a lot more positive. And it's just been, I've been able to achieve more goals a lot easier. It's been a, an overall great thing. So I'm really looking forward to watching this film. Absolutely. And, and you know, the other, the great thing is that, um, so what you what you're describing, uh, you know, is is you know, and you keep a you know sometimes you you keep a note notebook of it, and you 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 also want to every day think about the things that 
that you're appreciative of as well. You know, write those down and, and say, because life goes by so quick and you, and you say to yourself, like, you know, what, if, maybe it's something as simple as like your parents still being alive, right? You know, uh, or having a clo close relationship with somebody or the love you feel for an animal, you know, maybe it's a pet, like it could be something so small, but, you know, having that focus, even if it's for a minute of a day, sitting down and appreciating like, wow, I'm so appreciative that I, again, it could be something as simple as like my dog loves me and I spend time with like, he's the best dog ever and, and this and that. And, 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 and that gives you warm feelings inside, right? Positive feelings inside. And the people who sit around and do the opposite, oh my God, I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried about that. I hope this is gonna, oh geez, my job, my, my, I might lose my job. How am I gonna pay for this? How am I gonna pay for that? The people who are like that, that it's physically draining. Like, like it's physically not good for your cells in your body. It's been proven proven totally and it's not it, a lot of it's not in our in any of our control right now. right but maybe exactly. it's a time where you can write your novel that's such a great note to end on and i really appreciate that yeah it was good to end on a podcast yeah so note. thanks so much for Absolutely. coming on the show tommy this was this was awesome and people are really gonna love this and your advice well i tell you what you guys uh you send me the link and i'm gonna blast it out to tens of thousands of people and uh, make sure that I say, you know, that people should watch this because it's so great to, to, to talk to young people who are, you know, positive and who, who, who are, you know, who look at things in a way that's not just like, oh, I don't understand this, so I hate it. No, it's like, hey, I, I think this might be cool. I have some questions about it and, and, and some things. And, but, and, but to come at it in a positive way, uh, so, because I've listened to a couple of your things oh, now, and, that um, means a lot coming from you. Wow! No, no, and it's really cool, and I and I love the vibe and keeping it keeping it real, keeping it positive, down to earth. It's so great to see young people like yourself, uh, you know, with that kind of messaging out there. It's what the world needs more of, you know. Yeah, and as a quick side note too, that's funny. Based off that, like, I met one of my friends over like a internet troll who made negativity videos. And we actually met because we saw how ridiculous this negativity was and we wanted to bring positivity to the game community. So that's how we bonded. So it's really funny I that love you bring it. that up. Haters, bringing, bringing positive people together. Exactly. Thank you, that's, haters. That's the goal and that's what we want to do that's so much. One good thing they do. Hilarious. Great, guys. Well, thank you so much. Let's do this again later in the year, maybe closer to launch after because we're going to be – we're going to be dropping so many bombs and mic drop moments over the next couple months. So maybe in a couple months, we'll do it again and we can talk about all the new cool shit where uh, we announced. Oh, we've, no, we've <laughs> that loved that. That would be awesome. Thanks for wanting to come back, Tommy. That's awesome. Oh, I appreciate so, it, guys. Thank you. Awesome, guys. Talk to you later. And that concludes our very special interview with Tommy Tellerico. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to these two parts. It means a lot to us that we were able to pull this off. And thank you so much again to the legend himself, Tommy Tallarico, for coming on the show and talking about all things Amico and other things gaming as well. Everyone stay safe, be healthy, and take care.